Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. In just a few minutes, we'll be taking your calls at 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions at 57500. Plan of the week, however, Ton, we decided it would be garden moms this week because there are so many beautiful varieties that are out in the nurseries and the stores today, and we just want to talk a little bit about garden moms. Yeah, they're rapidly being distributed all over you know, even your local grocery stores, I, everywhere you go, as far as retail, it seems like besides maybe the pharmacy, maybe even this pharmacy is selling them. I don't know. But right. garden mums are coming out and they're different than floral mums. Yeah, we wanted to manage expectations just a little bit this morning. So floral mums, let's make the distinction between floral mums and garden mums. So floral mums are grown in greenhouses and they're bred primarily for their flowers. And so when you go to your local flower shop or, you know, Harmons, Macy's, whatever, to their flower shops, the mums that you can pick up year round are meant to be given as a living flower display. And then you compost them. Right. They're the ones that come in the yeah. cellophane, the nice cellophane. Yes. Compost. And if you plant them in their garden, they'll, in your garden, they'll generally grow, but they don't really stand up. Let me describe what happened when I did grow one, thinking, oh, this is such a beautiful plant. So the next year it came up and it was nice and green and then it got super gangly and the flowers were not nearly the color that they were before. Instead of a beautiful yellow, they were kind of an orangey, bronzy kind of color. Yes. So they don't normally transform back to what they were before, right? They don't. And they are highly managed in greenhouses to where they, in the greenhouse, are a known quantity. They know how many hours of darkness and night they need for how many 
um, weeks and they use plant hormones to keep them from getting tall. So growth regulators, they're lightly tip pruned and to make them bushier. There's a lot that goes in to making that floral mum gorgeous for whatever you're using it for, but they're meant to last for three to four weeks and then they're done. Okay. So the garden mums are the ones that you find out in the garden centers and in the nurseries, greenhouses. And they're bred to stay smaller. And so what goes on with them is that they will live, live as a perennial in your garden for at least five to 10 years, sometimes longer, but the best planting time for these garden mums is actually any time from mid-May through in August, the spring. In the spring is yes. the best time, right? Yeah, before but they the really hard start part to flower. Is they're not in bloom till now, and this is when they sell them, and you get so excited about them. You do. They're like instant gratification, and you go run out and you put them in your um, garden beds, or you know, along as a hedgerow or whatever. But um, depending on where you plant them, as much as 50% of them can die over the winter because they've put all their energy into flower production and not into root development. Yeah, so it's possible in a more protected area they, they might live. They can. I had a neighbor several years ago plant them in an 18-inch wide strip um, edging a uh, walkway in their backyard that was a really quite a protected area. And 100% of them survived. But I've also seen many situations where they were planted just in raised beds or in the front yard, and you do lose quite a few of them. So your best advice is when you see them now, take a note of which ones you want to plant in the spring. If you are going to buy them, no, they may not make it through the winter. Especially planted in the yard. You might be able to use them in a fall planter and they'll stay looking pretty good through mid-November in protected areas, then what you can do is move that planter basket into an unheated shed or garage, keep it watered, and then plant it in the spring. And you have a really good chance of that surviving. Right. We do have Brian Lloyd now on the line with us from Olson's Greenhouse. Brian, good morning. And guys, how are you today? We are doing very well. We're, we are talking about garden mums and just how beautiful yeah. they are now. And we need your help a little bit, though, because it really the mums that you now grow have changed quite a bit. I mean, there is such a great variety of mums compared to in the past. That's, that's true. You know, breeders are working all the time on updating several things about mums, mostly the habit and how they hold their shape together better, and as well as putting blooms up for a longer period of time, and then holding them on top of the plant so we see more color for more weeks out of the year. So you're, they're less likely to split out on you. Exactly, yes. They hold their shape much better, uh, even in wind or if they get knocked over or something like that. And, and then they're also working on great new flower colors, too. So um, there's new shades of colors, bicolors coming out, different flower forms. All these things they're working on so that we can have more enjoyment out of our mums. Yeah, you anticipated my next question, and that's like, what have you seen that is new and beautiful and different this year? You know, just better shades of pinks and lavenders, you you know, fall screams, oranges, yellows, and, and reds, and things like that. But it's always cool to hold on to summer a little bit longer and, and keep some of those purple shades in as well, and, 
And I'm loving the colors I'm seeing in all shades from, you know, the light pinks to the dark reds. So with the mums being planted now, we've mentioned that they may not survive as well. With so many of them on the market right now, what do you suggest as far as uses for them? You know, they're great container plants. Whether you're putting them in a monoculture container or in a mixed container, they work great. As we approach Halloween, you can add in other Halloween decorations like pumpkins or gourds into your planters. Um, So they do great in container plantings, which is awesome. But they do great in the ground also. A lot of people don't realize that you can plant mums in the ground. Whether you just enjoy them for the fall season or you try and get them to come back, you know, year after year, they are a perennial in most of our zone. Um, But a lot of people are putting them into the ground now. All right, Brian, we appreciate you joining us and uh, sharing what's new with mums. And uh, have a happy holiday season. You too, Maria. Thanks, Todd. See you guys. Bye-bye now. And we're going to be taking your calls now at 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you. We're taking your calls at 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Our first listener, first texter of the morning says that they have a four-year-old lilac bush and the leaves are curling up and turning brown. Uh, It gets a lot of western sun, but it does get plenty of water. Is there anything else that they can do to keep the plant looking healthy? You know, I lilacs are so finicky? just mysterious and finicky sometimes. Mm. Traditionally, sometimes. they've been considered easy to grow, free, free blooming. And it's not that it's all of them, but I'm seeing more lilacs the last five or 10 years just not thrive. And Mine I look scraggly, I'm going to admit. Yeah. But I thought it was because the deer have been eating it. And it very well could be, but I have a friend that is a former extension agent that I do a lot of work at his house as far as experiments and trial work. And he has lilacs in front of his house and they should be thriving. And they just, they never look dead, but they never look great. Hmm. And I see this with a lot of lilacs lately. And I don't know if there's a disease out there or if they just don't establish correctly, I don't know. Are, do they just not like being on the west side of the house as much as in they other should. places? They should. They should yeah, thrive see, that's there. That's where mine. Mine's on the northwest, but yeah, hmm. on anywhere they're getting more than six hours of sunlight a day, they should be thriving. But I don't know. I've been a little leery of lilacs the last four or five years, especially the old fashioned. You know, they get the ten to twelve feet tall right. and the fringe hybrids and things, and I can't pinpoint any particular disease or anything, but I just have noticed that a lot of them 
just don't thrive like they would have 20 or 30 years ago. I even noticed my snowball bush this year, which seems like a tree now, but I've tried to, you know, thin it out. But even the leaves on that have kind of curled and I'm like, ooh, is it drought stressed? I'm not sure what's happening. It could be 2,4-D damage that drifted in. That's really common. They don't like 100-plus degree temperatures. And so that month of 100-degree temperatures probably didn't help either, but aphids are also a big problem on them, hmm. especially in the spring. All right. that's That feels very unsatisfying, but okay. Yeah. All right. Karen is on the line in Orem. Good morning, Karen. How are you this morning? Fine, thank you. What was your question? My question is regarding a couple of trees that I have. One of them is about a 10-foot tricolor beech that I got this spring, planted it, and with it is a bamboo pole that's as tall as the tree which is about 10 foot and the circumference of the tree is about two and a half inches when does that bamboo pole come out uh, it's taped uh, various places my other question is about a maple tree uh, just across on the neighbor's fence and it has kind of a rust type all over the trunk and it's gradually the tree is dying will that transfer to other maple trees nearby and the reason why I planted the tree on my side is because we had benefited from the shade from the neighbor. And so I'm just curious about those two items. Well, the beech tree, that pole, if you no, were to... No, it's t- not a beech. It's a beech. That's beech, what I said. Beech, I, beech. That's what I said. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. So the beech tree with a pole is, if you took the pole off, would the tree be in danger of tipping over? Uh, that's my question because it isn't. It's really tall and it's not very. It's about two and a half inches across, you know, but diameter. The, normally, the pole should come off as soon as possible, unless there's a danger of the tree falling over. And so, oh, if there's okay. really not a danger of the tree falling over, just take it off. Okay. Now, on, uh, go ahead. Um, you wouldn't leave it through the winter, possibly for. Mm-hmm. Um, no, if the tree's not in danger tree. of falling over, no. It's only if the tree's in danger of snapping or falling over, but I wouldn't have it tied right to the trunk. If you wanted to or needed to have it staked, I would get some T-posts and go okay. to two sides of the tree and get some, like those rubber uh, tr- tree ties oh. that aren't going to damage the trunk or wrap some cloth around the trunk and tie the tree from the two T-posts so that it has some play in it so that the tree's roots can strengthen and hold the tree up. Okay. And and the rest on the neighbor's tree, will that... I don't... Or? If it's a red-colored rust on the trunk, I don't think that that's actually causing the tree to die. I think it's just there. Oh. Those maples are very susceptible to... how. Let me ask this. How old is the maple tree? Uh, I don't know. I moved in here. Is it a big tree or? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because they're susceptible to a few different diseases. And are they losing a limb at a time or is it an entire side of the tree? It's, well, it's been um, kind of a limb, limit of time. Okay. It's nearly. 
they can get, there's a disease called verticillium that gets into them. There's other vascular wilt diseases. And for a Norway maple that's over 20 years old, it's actually fairly common to start seeing mm-hmm. limb die back in them. And it could be the tree will live for years. Sometimes they go down, but those Norway maples are just not one of my favorite trees because of that. And so all they can really do is prune the dead branches out and try to keep the tree healthy. Okay. Well, that's helpful. We, we've been the benefactor of the shade from the neighbor. As yeah. always. <laughs> it are the leaves too. still dark green or are they a light yellow or? Um, there's, well, there's only about one limb that's got um, still some leaves on it and it looks like it's, it, they're green, not yellow. Okay. It sounds like the tree's better repurposed for firewood or something like that and maybe replanted like you've done. Okay. We appreciate your help. All right, Karen. Listen to us greenhouse for years and Perfect. love yeah. the advice. Thank you. Great. Thanks so much for calling. Uh, number to call 801-575-8255. A next listener says, is it too late to do grass seed? And if not, which which is better to cover it with, compost or peat moss? It's a great time to do the grass seed if you can get it in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. And if you're only putting down a quarter of an inch to a third of an inch of material, a compost or peat moss, it's not going to make a difference okay. what you do. Great. Chris is on the line in Orem. Good morning, Chris. What was your question? Hi, thanks for taking my call. I've got another question about trees in Orem. So I have a very large walnut tree growing up and over my house, and so I called a tree guy to come out and take a look at it. This tree also has a handful of dead limbs, and he told me that I have 1,000 cankers. And my question is, is, as I've done research, that says that that can't be cured, but my tree guy says that they have somebody that might be able to cure it. Is it worth it to go through all that effort, or should we just Well, if down? your tree guy has somebody that might be able to cure it, I would sure like to know, but because there's a lot of universities <laughs> out there saying it's not curable. Now, are right. you losing a limb here and a limb there? Or is um, it a, yeah, I have about four, three or four limbs, but it seems to be slowly, you know, one, each one dying out uh, over okay. the past three or four years. Yeah, I, I mean, not being there, I can't confirm thousand cankers, but that's the pattern mm. of it. And I, I don't know if you want to spend the money to see if they can salvage the tree, but the USU official company policy, so to speak, is that there's no known cure. Right. For it. So. Yeah, that's what I was thinking and all my research on the, tells me that that's the same thing. So, you know, we can pay to have it trimmed up and then it still dies or cut it down and just cut our losses. Yeah, so, I mean, if it's big enough, sometimes somebody might want it for like a small home mill that they mill their own lumber or for firewood. Right. It's really hot burning wood. You know, there's things like that, but if it's going down a little bit of time and over a period of four or five years, it may be thousand cankers. Okay. Well, that answers my question. I appreciate your time. All right, Chris. Thanks so much for your call. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. 
I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.